All right, so our text for this morning, and as you probably are aware that this is not the youth service, um, you know, I'm all, uh, as people would say, decked out in a suit and all that, so uh, this is not a youth service, and praise the Lord that our electrical issue um, uh, with the AC is, is running, because I would be sweating. I know Pastor Sawyer says he will sweat at Tan Below. And Pastor Winley said, you know, he'll keep us cool even up to 90 degrees. I will just sweat at any time. It doesn't matter. I just have a overactive sweating um, gland. Just so that, you know, you know. But thank you for sharing. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. See, Paul, Paul's like, you know, now I can know how to pray for you effectively. Okay. In Romans, it may be on the screen, but it may not. But if you want to, you can follow along just before I begin. Uh, the passage that we're going to be looking at is in Romans chapter 7, verses 14 through 25. And it reads, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold into bondage to sin. For what am I doing, I do not understand. For what I am not practicing... For I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing the law is good. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I'm doing the very thing that I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. Present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God, in the inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God but on the other with my flesh, the law of sin. Father, Lord, thank you for this time that we have to look at your word. I pray that you would uh, give me words of, 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 of clarity. Uh, pray, Lord, that um, the, your indwelling spirit would... Um, would bring about a, 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 a clear and, 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 and accurate uh, um, presentation of your word. So as unworthy as I am to bring your word forth, I pray, Lord, that indeed um, your word and your word alone will go forward. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would convict us and, and would illuminate our minds to understand the things of, of your word this morning. Uh, that our hearts will be blessed unencouraged, unstretched um, to live lives that are honoring before you so that 
as much as we will be fulfilled in you, you would be equally glorified in us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Now, this is this is a a very rich passage, um, uh, and, and Romans, on the whole itself, is a is a very uh, a deep, uh, uh, saturated uh, book of theology and doctrine, and and so I covered your 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 prayers beforehand uh, for me as we look at these next uh, few verses. And with the particular focus I want to uh, share from and teach from uh, with this passage is that of what Paul um, describes and is really in his transparency of the battle in which, you know, he's going through. And, and we see in some of his other letters in which he refers to the two natures, you know, our sinful nature um, and, and the spirit uh, of God. For the believer which indwells us. And just the, the Bible that goes on. Now, of course, that's not the entire uh, meaning and focus on this passage in itself. Uh, Paul also, you know, defends uh, the purpose and the work of God's law. And, and, and also take, in, take into account to uh, his audience as well. Uh, not, not just us today or the Gentiles as well, but also the Jews as well. And, 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 and just bringing about a, a clearer understanding on the purpose of the law, um, uh, the fact of what the law was intended to do, uh, that the law in itself is not sinful, the law is holy, it's spiritual, it's there to bring about an awareness of sin, um, and also not just an awareness, but it's there also to condemn sin. And although it may have seen that the law came and then sin increased, so, uh, so, so there's so many different uh, uh, um, uh, uh, topics of discussion in which within this passage alone. But the one that I want us to look at is the one that uh, uh, I believe Paul is also indicating in this passage is that of uh, the struggle between our two natures. And as believers, we know that this is something that we go through on a daily, moment by moment basis. In your bulletins, there is a slip of paper, um, I have some notes for you to uh, follow along. Uh, I know I have this uh, radio voice, so hopefully that will help you to uh, stay connected. Uh, the blind spots uh, on that sheet are highlighted on the screen in yellow, uh, so those will be the corresponding um, words to, to fit into those blank, blank spaces. So like I said before, there's a battle going on with our two natures, that of the flesh and the spirit. And in Galatians 5.16, we see here how that is also uh, communicated. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things you please. At every waking moment, even sometimes, you know, when, when we're asleep, there's a bala going on within us. Alright, and in, and in verse, so, so just the premise of, of, of this, uh, uh, discussion this morning. 
So in verse 14, Paul, Paul says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold into bondage to sin. Now I just want to go to chapter 6 real quick, um, because I don't want to give an indication or an implication that for believers, because as we go through this, it may appear to be that there's like this hopeless, defeated battle that we're waging against. You know, it's like, ah, you know, it's, you know, my, 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 my flesh is enslaved to the sin nature and it almost seems as if, well, I can't do anything against it, but it, but that's not the case for the believer. Um, let's, and if you want to, you can turn to the, but I just want to read this for a connection just to dispel that, that, that implication. In, in Romans 6, um, um, starting at verse 4, therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin for he who has died in Christ is freed uh, from sin we know as Paul throughout his letters at different points will give us the instruction of consider your members dead to sin Uh, and then the fact of the matter is this that indeed we are crucified in Christ. So it's no longer us who live, but Christ who lives within us, in us. And, and the fact of the matter is, although we are in Christ and, 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 you know, spiritually, we are to consider our members dead. But we know within our bodies, there's this war going on. The, and as we and as we saw and read in Galatians 17, the spirit is against the flesh, and the flesh is setting its desire uh, against the spirit. And 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 what I want why I want to start with that start with that is because um, I don't want us to walk away with a mindset that it, there's a hopeless battle. You know, we can be victorious in our battle against sin, not of our own self, and we'll see this, but through um, Jesus Christ and the power of the indwelling spirit. In verse 14, it's for, like I said before, for we know the law is spiritual, by him of the flesh, soul, into bo- and into bondage. So verse 14, Paul clearly identifies two agents and their characteristic nature, law and man. The law being spiritual, uh, that is, of or from God, and man being of the flesh, who is born under the bondage of sin. And then verse 15 says, For what I am doing I do not understand, for I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So, like I said in the beginning, you know, Paul is expressing his inward dilemma his inward struggle as a believer with the things he ought to do and those he shouldn't do. And although Paul uses two different words for doing, 
uh, in there where it says, for what I am doing, I do not understand. And he says, but I am doing the very thing that I hate. Although he uses two different words there, um, like the first, which gives a connotation of, of bringing about a result um, by doing something, something that is achieved or something that is accomplished. And then the second doing is that of producing something, making something or manufacturing something. Now, there is no qualitative distinction in the usage of that word doing. But it just gives a real clear expression of this inner battle uh, Paul is struggling with. So if we were to paraphrase uh, verse 15 and using the, um, the, the words in which, uh, in the original language, it would sound somewhat like this. For I am accomplishing, for what I am accomplishing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do. Instead, I am producing the very thing I hate. So Paul, Paul is exclaiming, ah, you know, it's like, you know, what is going on? And it's for someone looking out for the outside in at this text, it's like, so, you know, is, is Paul having a, a, a schizo moment, you know, like, like what's going on? But the fact of the matter is there is an emotional, mental, and a spiritual turmoil uh, Paul is going through. And, um, and I believe this is healthy for the believer. I think if there's any believer in here that says, you know, I'm good, you know, I don't have no struggles, man. You know, I'm struggle free, right? Um, I don't know about that. Uh, I think if we're completely honest with ourselves, um, uh, there are struggles that we go through uh, day by day, moment by moment. And Paul is admitting his struggle, which is produced by the conviction of the Holy Spirit within him. Um, and that's why Paul... In the previous verses, defend, defended the law. Uh, because it wasn't the law, God's law, that, you know, brought about sin. And uh, there was some of the misconceptions. And, 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 as you, and, and if you read through, and you'll see where many times when Paul would defend the law, and well, Paul will also um, give clarification of the grace uh, in which we're living under, saying that, you know, you know, the law is not sin, or you know, should we sin more? Um, um, you know, so that grace may abound. He's like, no, you know, you're, you're, you're missing the point. The law um, is to bring about the awareness of sin, so that sin, like in verse um, 13, says, "No, it is therefore did that which is good." became a cause of death for me, referring to God's law, may it never be. Rather, it was sin, in order that it may be shown to be sin by infecting my death through that which is good, so that through the commandments, sin would become utterly sinful. In verse 16, Paul continues his defense of the law, its work and its purpose. God's law is a moral is the moral standard, which exposes sin to be utterly sinful. So Paul is saying, if I'm doing the things that I shouldn't do, which the law identifies as wrong, I'm in agreement with law, acknowledging that law is good. Verse 17. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. Wait a minute, right? Paul is not deflecting his behavior. 
or the responsibility he has over his behavior. Paul is simply identifying the root behind his inner spiritual conundrum, which is indwelling sin. The sinful nature influencing the behavior of the flesh so that it will be virtually impossible for the flesh in and of itself, he refers to that I, you and me, to keep the law, which is spiritual, and fulfill God's will. Although he, and like we today, may acknowledge law as being good. Verse 18, for I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. Now we hear about that a lot, right? Yeah? And we use that in another scripture a lot where, you know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is not on board, you know? Um, here again, Paul starts with four, you know, building on the end of verse 17. In verse 17, Paul asserts that indwelling sin is the instigating agent opposed to doing good. This sin nature that has enslaved the flesh of man to achieve its desires. So in verse 18, Paul qualifies his assertion in verse 17. says, for I know nothing good dwells in me. Now wait a minute, what, you know, what is Paul saying? Is, 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 is Paul not communicating as a born-again believer? And yes, he is. But he clarifies that first portion. He says, that's why Paul clarifies with his first statement, with the following, that is, in my flesh, nothing good, nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. Because I am purposing to do good, but in, but in and of my own, that is, in my flesh, I am unable to do so. This leads into... Now going to verse 19, for the good that I want to do, I do not do, but I practice, I accomplish the very evil that I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing that I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. And this is really a, a, Paul again reasserting his premise that he established respectively in verses 15 and 17. Uh, whatever good intentions I have, I am unable to fulfill because my flesh is enslaved to sin. But then again, Paul is not excusing his behavior or his tendencies. He's expressing the fact that the evil he accomplishes is stimulated by the catalyst of indwelling sin, which he then describes as a law. Or a standard rule. Now, in some of your translations, you will have where if law is capitalized, that referring to the commandment of God, or how they would like to say, you know, the Torah, uh, the instructions of the Lord. And then if there's a lower case where it doesn't have a connection to law of God, referring to more of a, a standard rule um, um, in that sense. And so in verse 21, he says, I find then the principle, and some of your versions may have law, that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. Now, there are three different uh, translations I want to read from, and, and I know they're not up there, but you can just listen to it. Uh, you know, positive, you know, the principle matter is this, evil is ever present in me, even when I want to do good. The ESV has it, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Uh, the HCSB has it, so I discover this principle. When I want to do 
What is good? Evil is with me. And the New Living Translation has it as such. I have discovered this principle of life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Thus far, this sounds like a very defeating, hopeless position for the believer. Hence, some, some scholars even believe that this uh, is not a writing of Paul. Some, believers believe, some scholars believe that this is Paul is writing about his pre-Christian uh, uh, experience and not his post-Christian uh, conversion. Uh, but if you read on, on your own and you study the text carefully, and even for the, the other chapters, even leading up to verse 7, um, hopefully you will see for yourself... Uh, that this is not a exclamation or, or the language of an unbeliever. And, and we'll get out another verse to um, support that as well. Um, verse 22, it says, For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. And, and right there we, we have a, you know, a real clear indication um, that you know, this really can't be a Paul expressing his post, uh, uh, his pre-Christian experience. Uh, we see this a lot in some of the Psalms. Uh, so Psalm 1 where it says, Blessed is the man who delights in the law uh, of the Lord. Uh, we see in Psalm 48, and I just want to read um, that. Uh, Psalms 40, verse 8 says, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is written in my hand. So although evil is ever present in me, Paul is saying, I delight in the law concerning the inner man. He said, I joyfully delight in the law concerning the inner man. Um, and, and there are some references that Paul uses when he brings about this contrast of the inner man and the outer man. And the first um, that's up there, that contextually, that's... It's not a connection with this text. Uh, I just brought that out so that the latter part of, uh, of, of that verse um, can help with identifying how the inner man is being renewed. And so in 2 Corinthians 4.16 it says, Therefore do not lose heart, but though our outer body is decaying. And again, the, the specific uh, 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 context of that was, was Paul communicating to believers who were experiencing hardships and persecutions and, and letting them know that, you know, though you're weak, though you're being bothered, um, um, the older man, although the older man is the king, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. And, um, and, and Paul uses this inner man, uh, 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 synonymously with, you know, which when he talks about his mind, um, as we will see later on, uh, as far as talking about that which has been renewed, that which has been redeemed, that which is being um, constantly renewed as far as in sanctification. So there is hope against this seemingly, uh, and I express this, seemingly enslavement of our flesh to sin. When we take into account God's word concerning the part of our nature that has been completely redeemed and is continuously being Renewed, Because there's no way, and as you can see, there's no way, and I'm sure as you, if you look back and you reflect on your own bottle 
um, um, between uh, your flesh and the spirit, the dwelling presence of the spirit, that there's no way that we can make war successfully against our flesh in and of our own. It just it won't be successful, which is why we have in Ephesians 3.16, where it says that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. But, strength three, but I see a different law in the members of my body. Paul previously said, you know, I delight, I joyfully concur with the law of God concerning the law of God inside, of, inside the inner man. But I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. The law of God concerning the inner man is not the law Paul sees in the members of his body. Paul sees the law in his members that are under the bondage of sin at war with the law he's approved of in his mind. And that making me is, is more of you know, taking him captive, right? Uh, taking him captive as a prisoner to sin, which is in his body which is in our body, which then Paul exclaims in verse 24, uh, the heading of, of that, I, that I chose for, for this message, Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? The ears we read, who will deliver me from this body of death? Paul recognizes the unpleasant state of his humanity. He's distressed and miserable. And cries out for liberation in a gut-wrenching uh, question. Said, "Who will deliver me from this body of death?" Death. Again, um, this is one of those portions again where some scholars would want to take and use as. And I'm just saying this so that you know, you know, that you know of any of you uh, were exposed to that before, uh, where. The question is posed, you know, is this, you know, his pre or post uh, Christian ex- experience. Uh, but as believers, you know, my position on this is that, you no, know, this is, is this a statement from a person who is saved? Because as believers, we are eagerly, eagerly waiting to be glorified completely. With not only a transformed mind and soul, but also a transformed body. Amen. Right? Who, you know, who, who's waiting to experience that full on glory, being glorified together with Christ? Right? Amen? Right? Uh, we see in verse 8, not uh, verse 8, chapter 8, verse 23, where it says, And not only this, but, us, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves. And previously to verse 23, it was talking about how creation itself is eagerly awaiting when the sons of God will be glorified. Since we groan, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for the adoption, for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. Paul answers the question immediately and emphatically in verse 25, the first portion. Who will, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of sin? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. God the Father exercising mercy and grace by demonstration of his love towards mankind, knowing that man will forever fall short of his glory. 
and the statutes of his law, gives his son, Jesus, that through his death, which is the penalty of sin, and his resurrection, all who place faith in him would receive a new life that is redeemed and that is justified and a promised glorified body as he has been glorified. So as Paul expresses gratitude uh, for this truth, uh, we too ought to do the same. You know, we're not defeated. We're not enslaved to sin as the believer. Uh, no, we are to consider our members dead to sin. Uh, Paul then wraps up this chapter uh, in the latter part of verse 25 with this overview statement. And Paul says, So then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other, my flesh, the law of sin. Paul's assertion is this. With my renewed mind, I will by, and this is the key, I will by and through the indwelling spirit serve the law of God. Although my flesh, corrupted by sin, will continuously desire the law of sin. And as we've seen in Galatians 5, verse 17, the flesh is setting its desire against the spirit and the spirit just the same against the flesh because they are in opposition to one another. But although our flesh will continue to desire um, the law of sin, however, for the believer, remember this, who will set you free from this body of of death. Thanks be to God. Through who? Jesus Christ, our Lord. Furthermore, we see in the first two verses of chapter 8, as I wrap up, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. The victory in the battle between our redeemed nature and our sinful nature is one through Jesus Christ. No longer, no longer should we as believers walk about defeated, but we should make war against the law of sin that is in our members. Now for the unbeliever that is here and, and, and you're just wondering like, well, you know, you're not really talking to me, Mr. Lowe. I can be. That in this moment, if you would recognize your state, recognize that you are a sinner, recognize that apart from Christ, your eternal destination is eternal separation from God. And if you would, and if you would, in your heart, would call on the name of Jesus and ask him to forgive you of your sins, Acknowledge that he came and died and rose again for you. Came and died and paid a penalty for your sin. Today, if you had made that decision, you then will receive the Holy Spirit. You then will receive the ability through the power of the indwelling spirit to make war against your flesh. And its, and its bend tendency uh, under the corruption of the sinful nature to desire the things of the law of sin. But like I said, for the believers here today, the battle is won. 
through Jesus Christ. No longer should we walk about defeated, but we need to make war against the law of sin that's in our members. And a good way to begin this, as we started before, in the beginning, is to, by walking according to the Spirit, as we see in Galatians 5.16, so that you would not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. Amen? Amen. Let's, uh, let's close in a word of prayer. Father, thank you, Lord, for uh, your word uh, this morning. And I just simply pray, Lord, that um, that your spirit certainly carried it out and, and, and convicted and, and, and made what I would have said in any way to be confusing, would have made it clear uh, uh, to us this morning. But I thank you, Lord, that in you as believers, we have the power over, uh, we not only have the power over sin and death, um, uh, we have the victory in this battle of our sinful nature. No longer are we to walk about defeated, O oh Lord, in you. Uh, and we just thank you, Lord, that um, you give us this, this power through your Son and through your indwelling Spirit. Be with us now as we uh, continue to walk this journey uh, with you. As you name me pray. Amen. Amen.